Right, boys and girls, mums and dads, all adults, cast your mind back to the song that we sang earlier. Big words that end in shun. We've got the definition down for substitution. We're getting familiar with the definition for resurrection, but today we're going to look at salvation. Today we're looking at this word, salvation. Sinners raised from hell. Now, salvation is a rescue story. Jesus rescues sinners. Now, if we're going to understand a rescue story, we need to understand what we are going to be rescued from. A couple of months ago, we went to Wet n' Wild up in Sydney. And everywhere at Wet n' Wild are lifeguards, lifesavers. I never needed a lifesaver. I never needed rescuing. I was never in any kind of danger. But in the world, we are in danger. We are all in need of rescue. And to understand the rescue, we need to understand what we need to be rescued from. Just a moment ago, we read from Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, look at the bold words that are there. These are the things that we are rescued from. This is the dangerous situation that we are all in. The Bible says we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We have followed the ways of the world. We are disobedient. We are deserving of wrath. That's God's wrath. What we, this is what we need to be rescued from. We need God to do something for us. We need God to save us because we are sinners. Well, we're sinners. We're not really comfortable with people calling us sinners, are we? You know, if you were to say at school, if you were to tell somebody, hey, you're a sinner, that's a bit of a bullying kind of insult, isn't it? If you were to go around your workplace suggesting that other people were sinners, even if somebody had done something wrong or somebody had hurt or harmed you in some kind of way and you were to stand up in the workplace and you were to label them a sinner, that is very un-PC, isn't it? Out in our society, to call people sinners, to label people sinners, is some kind of out-of-touch religious word. Are you really calling me a sinner? Well, that's the Bible does. Let's think about it this way. Imagine. Imagine God's world, the world that God has lovingly made. Imagine it as a beautiful, still pond. Tranquil, peaceful, calm, mirror surface surface, with, with, a, with a perfect reflection of everything in. Can you imagine God's world, that it is like that? And then I come along and I throw a rock in. No matter what size rock it is, whether it's a little piece of gravel, a pebble, or a rock, or a boulder or a house brick, 
no matter what size it is, it is going to disturb the surface and create a ripple that's going to go out across the surface, spreading everywhere and affecting everything. It is no longer calm, it is no longer perfectly still. And then I take another rock, a bigger rocker, and I throw that one in, and another, and then you come along and you throw your rocks in as well, one by one by one by one, and then all of Canberra throws their rocks in. And, and what was tranquil and still and calm and peaceful and perfect is now starting to become a splashed, rippled, torrent mess where these ripples just keep going out in every direction, affecting everything across the pond. And then all of Australia gets all their rocks and house bricks and throws them in and then the entire world, everyone to every corner of the world who has ever lived... it would start to become a pretty horrible kind of place. There'd be no tranquility, no calm, no peace. And we, we kind of can't even start to imagine now about how messy and rippled and disturbed that might become. Now, the Bible tells us that that is sin. That, that is sinners in the world. Sinners have thrown the rocks of their lives into the tranquility of God's pond and rippled it, disturbed it, messed it up into every possible direction. And <coughs> it's more horrible than what we could possibly imagine because God keeps maintaining some kind of calm. But at the end of time, the Bible tells us that God is going to leave the world in the pond. And as God leaves the world in the pond, He is going to throw His own rock of judgment into the pond. And that is what the Bible calls hell. Now this is what we need to be rescued from. Salvation is the rescue story. Salvation is what Jesus do, God does through Jesus to rescue sinners from the rippled pond to be saved from hell. Sinners saved from hell. See those words in 1 Thessalonians? God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, suffer God's judgment. Be there in the midst of the pond when God throws His rock of judgment in and to experience all the other ripples of mess that sinners have caused. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He, Jesus, died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that means whether we're alive or whether we've already died and we've been buried or cremated, Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, in the end, we may live together with Him. This is the rescue story. Jesus died so that we might be saved into life with Jesus. Now, you've got some experience with this next thing, Easter eggs. How many Easter eggs do you think are too many for one person to eat? 
I looked up the Guinness Book of Records in 2007. The world record was set for the world's biggest Easter egg hunt in Florida, in New York. 501,000 eggs were hunted for. In 2014, a lady, uh, quite a long, uh, um, a lady set the world record for how quickly you can eat 50 Cadbury cream eggs. Hand up if you think it was 10 minutes, two minutes, it was six minutes, six minutes to consume them. But her record for consuming one Cadbury cream egg stands at one second. She can kind of swallow them whole. Uh, Look her up on the internet, she's got a video teaching you how to do it. Um, That's got a, a warning which I should add, boys and girls and dads, um, speed eating is not recommended. How many Easter eggs did you eat last week? Who wants to have a go at our record? Ollie? You ate about 20, Joel? About 10, Ellie? About two? <coughs> Who else is going to own up to something? Sean, how many eggs did you eat? Two? Two? That's pretty, any more than two? Oh, I'm sure there's heaps of people hiding information here. Okay, how many Easter eggs are too many for one person to eat? Hang on, somebody here won over 300 in an Easter egg guessing competition. Did you eat them all, Renska? No, you shared them out, didn't you? Is this too many for one person to eat? Yes, no, we're undecided. There's a a lot here. How many is here, Isaac? About 376, apparently. That's probably a bit too many for um, one person to eat. Uh, Easter eggs, great things. Chocolate is a good thing. A a good thing from God that's combined these uh, bits and pieces of raw ingredients together into something that we can eat. Uh, I don't particularly love them myself, uh, but they seem to be pretty popular uh, at Easter. But we can have too much of a good thing. We can have too many Easter eggs. Some of us probably experienced a bit of an Easter egg hangover uh, this week. Maybe you just don't want to even see them. When I, I, I can actually smell these right now and they're making me feel a little bit nauseous. Um, just a little bit too much chocolate this week. We can have too much of a good thing. It could be too much food. We could have too much to drink. We can have too much sleep. Sleep is a good thing, but we can do too much of it. Holidays. Work. Money. We can take all kinds of good things from God, but when we have too much of it, when we take lots of it in order to serve ourselves, it starts to mess up life. It starts to cause ripples in the pond. It'll mess up our own life. Hey, if I ate all of these, it would mess up my life. I would feel sick. But whether we take all other kind of things, it not just messes up my life, but it will affect the relationships of people round about me. 
If I took these all for myself right now, you might think that I'm greedy, that I'm unkind and selfish. And it affects our relationship with God. When we take good gifts from God and take them for ourselves and take more and more and more for ourselves, it messes up our life, it messes up the relationships round about us and it messes up our relationship with God. Now, once there was a man who did just this. He took a good gift from God and he took more and more and more and he took it just for himself and it messed up his life, it messed up the relationships with people around about him and it messed up his relationship with God. The Bible tells us that he's a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He was a very wealthy man He was a cheat. The Bible calls him a sinner. Is there somebody who'd like to come and hold this up for me? Yep, up you come. The Bible tells us his name is Zacchaeus. Excellent. You just hold that right there where everyone can see it. The Bible tells us that his name is Zacchaeus, a very wealthy tax collector a cheat, a sinner. And this man, Zacchaeus, had heard about Jesus. Jesus was becoming famous in the region and Zacchaeus, like everybody else, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Somebody else want to come and hold Jesus? Yep, up you come. Okay, stand up there, hold Jesus up nice and high. Now Zacchaeus had a problem though. He wanted to see Jesus, but Zacchaeus was short. (laughs) The guy who most wanted to see Jesus was the guy who was the most unlikely to see him because he was short. Zacchaeus had an idea, many of you have heard the story before, as Jesus was coming into town, Zacchaeus, the short man, the wealthy man, the tax collector, the cheat, the sinner... Do you know what he did? No? What would you do if you're short and you wanted to see somebody? Some stilts or something like that. That's what he did. He climbed up a tree. So let's put him right up high. Okay, Zacchaeus climbed up a tree so that he could see Jesus. Jesus came along the road and Zacchaeus didn't just see Jesus, but Jesus stopped right underneath Zacchaeus. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to go to your house today. You want to head over there with Zacchaeus? Come down out of the tree, Zacchaeus. Excellent. Jesus and Zacchaeus went into the house, and we don't know a lot of the details about what happened in the house, but something changed for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus decided that he wasn't going to be a cheat anymore. Everybody that he had ripped off, he was going to pay them back and more. He was going to give it back. He was going to let go of the grip that he had on money. He wasn't going to take, 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 take for himself and mess up his life, mess up the relationships around him and mess up his relationship with God, but he was going to give back. We don't know all the details, but from what Zacchaeus did, Jesus then said, today, salvation has come to this house. 
Zacchaeus is one of the people, just like each one of us who throws rocks into the peaceful pond of God's world to mess it up. And Zacchaeus needed rescuing. And we read in the Bible that that day, Jesus rescued Zacchaeus. Jesus saved Zacchaeus from God's wrath. Jesus saved Zacchaeus from the rippled pond. Jesus saves Zacchaeus from hell. Now, every single one of us are like Zacchaeus. Let's put these down for a moment and you can go and sit down. Or before you go, take, take an Easter egg for yourself though and take one to share with somebody else as well, okay? Actually, take enough for everyone in your family. <laughs> that, that's going to be a lot, but um, mate, yes. <clears throat> Excellent. Give them a clap, they did very well. Every single one of us are like Zacchaeus. Every single one of us are rock throwers. Every single one of us are rock throwers. Some with little pebbles, some with gravel, some with boulders, some with house bricks. Every one of us with the things that we do in our lives, our attitudes. We're taking good things for ourselves. Sometimes we do it deliberately, sometimes it's a mistake, uh, but we can feel the disappointment that we have of serving ourselves. It messes up our life, our relationships with others and our relationships with God. Like, like Zacchaeus, we're, we're all contributing to the, the rippled pond. But though we're like Zacchaeus, what Zacchaeus shows us is that it's possible to be saved from that. It's possible to be rescued. And this is why Jesus came. We saw in these verses in 1 Thessalonians, you say the bold words when we get to them, okay? Boys and girls, can you read the bold words there? God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive through our Lord Jesus Christ, He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that's the rescue story. That is salvation. A big word, an important word, a wonderful word of the rescue story of what Jesus has done for us. Now, this is important for us to know and to celebrate at Easter and every day. Now, you might be somebody here at New Life who's been coming along for a little while or perhaps just come along today for the first time. And perhaps this idea of salvation, the, the, the idea of being a sinner, perhaps that is quite new to you. Uh, if this is you, I want to encourage you to read through John's Gospel in the Bible, which will help you to make sense of it a little bit more. I've got some copies of John here with me today, John's Gospel, which tells the true story of Jesus coming into the world and what He did so that we might have life, life that is rescued from the pond. Now, even if you find this hard to read on your own, 
please don't feel embarrassed to reach out to us to help you read this. You, you could, my contact details are there on the Vital Info news sheet or send a message to connect at nlpc.church and we have many people here at New Life who'd love to meet up with you and help you understand what perhaps is not so familiar for you at the moment. But if you'd like to take one of these days, I have a few copies of these if you'd like to look into that a little bit more. Come and see me at the end of the service. But perhaps there's some people here today uh, who are really like Zacchaeus. Uh, People who um, (coughs) know that you have thrown stuff in the pond. Uh, By the way that you have lived, you have caused those ripples. And like Zacchaeus, you want to turn away from the life of rock throwing and receive the salvation that Jesus offers. Those rocks that we throw into the pond, they, they ripple out everywhere across the world, affecting our life, the lives of people around about us, and our relationship with God. And, and you know, the further I get along in life, I can see that there's nothing I can do to dampen the ripples. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger. What I need, what we all need, And what you need, if you haven't done this before, is to receive Jesus' offer of salvation, to be a sinner, uh, saved from hell. We can't calm the pond, but we can be rescued from it. And I'm going to lead us in prayer now, and I'm going to be particularly leading us in prayer for those who might like to receive that today. to to turn away from rock-throwing like Zacchaeus and receive Jesus' rescue, his offer of salvation.